Rogers Business App Market brings together the right apps for your business and wraps it all up with Rogers world-class support. Microsoft Office 365 makes it easy. Whether you need to securely store and backup files, access or share documents in the cloud, collaborate with your team or manage your business from anywhere and on any device. Plus, with support from Rogers, you'll get everything up and running quickly. To learn more, visit rogers.com forward slash business apps. Scotiabank understands that business is personal and your business has unique needs. That's why we offer flexible solutions for your business banking. Create your own business banking package that works for you by opening an account online in minutes with ease and start saving today. Visit scotiabank.com forward slash small business to get started. Sharing the journey of real Canadian changemakers and the impact they have on the world we live in. It's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular show listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Google Play Music and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I'm Rivers Corbett and entrepreneurship is part of my DNA. Whether it's building my own companies or helping other entrepreneurs, build theirs. This is my lane. Want to connect after the podcast? You can find me at www.meetrivers.com. This is Jonathan Ortmans, president of Global Entrepreneurship Network. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show. You know, sometimes uh, you get guests and then you get the guests. And not that all my guests are not, uh, you know, special, but Jonathan Ortmans, who is my next guest on the show, has been a constant contributor to the Startup Canada organization since day one and around the world and the things that he does. And we're just so thrilled as a global influencer to have Jonathan on the call. He makes the world a better place to start up and thrive. And actually, one of the, uh, just a quick side note, one of the profile pictures I love of Jonathan is him with his arms crossed and he's got writing black marks all over over his arms with messaging. And he is literally helping the world be a better place. Jonathan Ortmans is the founder and president of the Global Entrepreneurship Networks, the GEN, an organization that provides a platform of 
programs and initiatives to help new firms start and scale within one global entrepreneurship ecosystem, arching over 170 countries. Incredible. In consortium with policymakers, researchers, entrepreneurs, and affiliated support organizations around the world, Jonathan has launched a number of initiatives such as Global Entrepreneurship Week, Global Entrepreneurship Congress, and the former U.S. President Obama's Global Entrepreneurship Initiative to engage major influences in building robust platforms for entrepreneurs to thrive. Under his initiatives, the emerging entrepreneurs around the world have, get this, received more than $1 billion, as in B, dollars in investments so far, and they're growing. In today's episode, we're going to talk to our great friend, Jonathan, about the key milestones in development of the global entrepreneurship focus. Jonathan, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show. Hey, well, thanks for having me, Rivers. Uh, it's, it's it's good to talk with you again. Um, Thank you. It's 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 been great to be seeing you up in Canada, but now now great to see you on this podcast. So. Yeah, thank you so much. And and this podcast uh, is a is a global uh, audience now, uh, and uh, so we're we're just so hap- happy to be on the topic about global entrepreneurship with you, um, Jonathan. You know, entrepreneurs kind of like to know the end of the story as much as they can they can get it, so that they'll they'll stay and. Pay Pay attention to this great conversation we're going to have. What, what's the one thing you want our, our listeners to take away from the conversation today? Well, I, I think at the end of the day, we've we've undervalued the role that entrepreneurs play in not just improving our societies, but uh, and and job creation, but in terms of uh, really their role in terms of Im- improving our lives and societies through the sort of innovations and technologies that they make available to a wider array of communities. So uh, for us, I think that at the end of the day, we need more people starting and scaling firms, and we need them to come from more diverse parts of the world. Mm-mm. Love it. Uh, you know, one of the one of the challenges that I'm consistently hearing about these days is that whole focus on scale up. Got a lot of startups, got a lot of feeder systems happening, but it's the scale up piece that really, really is, um, I guess, in need of more more focus, education, support. Can you talk to that? You know, absolutely. Um, I, I actually think that what what, what we were in, engaged in uh, prior to the kind of startup revolution that really began, I think, 10 years ago uh, around the world was we were engaged in, in scale up. I mean, we had traditional business associations. Mm. We had organizations that were focused in how to, quote, help businesses grow is the way they tend to rephrase to, to rephrased it. Um, and then right. when the startup revolution came along, we sort of, uh, you know, we put a lot of the energy and the enthusiasm. We had some lots of ebullience, uh, enthusiasm around this notion of how do we get more people starting? Um, and so in many respects, we think we've kind of abandoned the scale up movement. I don't think we put less attention into it. Um, mm-hmm. I think what's happened is, is that uh, we've just got smarter about how we have more companies start. Um, and we haven't really caught up because the community that was traditionally working on helping people scale was, shall I say, from a from a different era. I mean, these were the kind mm-hmm. of business leaders and, you know, frankly, more traditional people prior to an era of digital disruption. 
Right. Yes, that's so funny. I was talking to, uh, I'm in my 50s, and another colleague of mine was talking today, he's in his 50s, and he introduces himself as a pre-internet entrepreneur. And when he's looking at these younger people, they say, how did you freaking do that? How did you be an entrepreneur during that time period? And I think that's what you're talking about, is that pre-internet era where scale-up was naturally happening. So how do how do we, how do we, what are, what are some of the keys to success for scale? And then I want to get into yeah. the Global Entrepreneurship Network and so on. But I, I think yeah. this is an important topic. No, I think it's a very important topic. And the good news is, is uh, that it's actually uh, getting getting substantial more attention um, because we're, we're, we're clearly looking at startup rates. And uh, certainly as we get more and more uh, policymakers and uh, CEOs from traditional larger companies uh, engaged in this process, they're asking these tough questions, which is great. I understand it's only 1% of the startup community that's actually going to accelerate and scale. But, uh, you, know, how, how, you know, everyone's asking that question. Why can't we be getting the really uh, big, uh, you know the big players here. So I think there's a couple mm-hmm. things just to say about it. I mean, the first is that uh, I, I I think we need to um, remember some of the principles uh, that we've learned at the startup stage, namely that that in in a way we're building an experiment, um, and right. when we're scaling a company, uh, we've got to go through an equal level of diligence mm. and robust analysis as to whether or not this is going to be scalable in the time frame that's available in that race to market. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we're now in a field where, frankly, uh, once the one or two big players, you know, take over the market, it's very, very hard and some things no longer become viable to scale. So I think uh, I, I think I think we have to keep some of those principles. The second thing is, I'd say we have to start right. I mean, it's one of the arguments we have when we look at the start and scale debate. You know, should we focus more on scale up? Should we focus more on startup? Because I'm like, well, I absolutely think we've got to get smarter about how we're helping companies scale. But at the end of the mm-hmm. day, we must uh, in any way uh, lose what we're doing in the startup arena because uh, the startup part is where we actually can do a better job at getting it right and, and laying the right founding blocks in that you know a, a robust sort of iterative process of testing our ideas at the startup scale startup stage so, th- so that they scale and finally um, there are lots of experiments going on in fact you know we have a um, in fact we have a three million dollar project in Russia uh, where we are working on um, just mid-tier cities testing scale-up methodologies. You might say, cool. you know, why Russia? Well, it's a big country. Uh, you know, it's got a lot of intellectual capacity uh, and there's a big hunger uh, for figuring out how do we take all the components that we've got and enable more firms to scale. So I think there's lots of experimenting going on. There's lots of attention given at the European Union. There's, of course, a scale-up institute now. There's people like Dan Eisenberg putting out a lot of good literature on this. Mm-hmm. So I think we're getting there. But I'd say at the end of the day, uh, the guys to follow are really the Endeavor guys. If you're not familiar with Endeavor Global as an entrepreneur, you should definitely be in touch with them. They have chapters in many countries around the world, but they're really doing very very, very detailed panel work on helping companies really get the nuts and bolts right in order to scale. So I'd encourage people to take a look at Endeavor if they haven't already. What, um, Jonathan, um, uh, you would have been aware of Tony Lacavera and your journeys to uh, to Canada and his journey with Win Mobile, and he's got a focus uh, book now, How We Can Win. And one of the things that he says, and sorry, I keep sticking on this scale-up thing, but I think it's a great topic, um, is that uh, in Canada, um, and Jonathan folks is, in a, is, a, is a friend uh, south of the border, a great uh, great neighbor, um, he's, we used to have it, we had in the last Olympics, Vancouver Olympics, 
course, uh, a, a, a strategy called uh, Own the Podium where we started to, where, where the Olympic committee picked winners and then, you know, put all the efforts behind that. Uh, how do you subscribe to that, that, that thinking uh, for scale up, not starts, but start up, but scale up. You know, I, I, I think Tony's uh, book is great. And I think that uh, th- this concept is, uh, you know, is, is important. Um, I, I think it depends on the level of maturity of the ecosystem. So in a very, very mature ecosystem, you're starting to get, get into big challenges when you're a big, sophisticated city. If, you know, I mean, if you're in London, for example, or you're, if you're in Berlin, uh, it's very hard for everybody to get behind that one podium to see that come together. Uh, I think, however, if you're in the uh, emerging uh, entrepreneurial uh, ecosystem markets, that's exactly the way to go Um, in in the sense that you need these early Uh wins. You need to have four or five people that end up becoming the founding fathers of a much more robust, dynamic uh, ecosystem, whether it be at the national level or the local level. Uh, So I certainly think it's a smart strategy. Um, But it's one that I don't even think is something we need to put a lot of thought into because again, it's another learning we learned from the startup communities, which is right. ultimately they, they work like villages. I mean, they all celebrate when someone on the campus succeeds. They don't turn around and say, you know, gee, you know, Rivers, you got to market before me and I'm really mad at you and I'm yeah. not going to talk to you again, but I'm going to try to undercut you from now onwards. I mean, they turn around and say, hey, how can I be of help? I mean, it's a lot more generous culture mm. now that we had 10 years ago mm-hmm. when the scale up stuff was happening. So I think in, in this environment, uh, you know, I mean, things, are, of course, people are going to be competitive, but the point is, it's not a. It's much less a mean uh, competition. There, there. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's delightful in that say, way to see that in other parts of the world. Yeah, I, I remember when my dad was an entrepreneur, and I remember the terminology, well, dad's just going to work. <laughs> the dialogue around that. Jonathan, tell us about the Global Entrepreneurship Network. You're doing epic work as the leader of that organization. Uh, can you can you give our audience some sense as to what it is and what's your uh, what's your primary mission? Well, absolutely. We're we're you know we're cut out of the cloth of a of a philanthropy in the United States called the Kaufman Foundation, which has really been a, a sort of great thought leader both on uh, sort of how we build entrepreneurial ecosystems, how we develop the right you know educational and environment, um, and what are the right policies. Um, and, and research that we should be conducting in order to fuel that process. Uh, and um, uh, when we when we built Gen, we we started you know on the uh, uh, assumption that it was first of all about a movement, and that's why we began with building right. Global Entrepreneurship Week, where uh, which is really ultimately a celebration um, put on by all the people who are already the converted, the evangelists, um, yes. to be able to reach new audiences, to get more members of their community, whether they be senior members or whether they be ordinary citizens to consider the path of entrepreneurship, uh, especially younger people. Um, And what that really uh, taught us was that there was an extraordinary uh, appetite around the world uh, with a very common uh, cultural foundation, namely the entrepreneurial culture, uh, that um, uh, for for engaging in a, in a lot more of a direct way and helping companies start and scale. So what, what Jen is about, just to give you the sense of the scope, it's about a $200 million nonprofit organization. Um, we have, um, we're operating in, as you mentioned kindly in your, your intro, 170 countries. And, and in about 50 of those countries, we 
we have our own boards and operations independently, and that will eventually be at 100 by the end of uh, 2018. But wow. essentially, the, the, the mission, though, is to try to make it possible for anyone anywhere to start and scale a firm. Um, and in order to do that, we clearly have to be smarter about using what are scarcer and scarcer resources. I mean, first of all, there was a lot of excitement about you know entrepreneurship and startups. And so mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, everybody from government leaders to students to you know corporations and banks you know doing accelerators and uh, across the board everybody clambered in and poured money poured time poured resources but you know we haven't exactly seen um, a relative uh, level of improvement in terms of in terms of the number of the firms that start and especially to come to your earlier point that scale and so what we're trying to do is create uh, with this global community not just a lot of knowledge and network sharing but also to really sharpen the focus so whether it's about how do we help companies scale or how do we help people start smarter uh, or how do we help people start in the first place in parts of the world where talent may be plentiful but opportunities not we turn around and say how do we how do we do that in a lot more precise way what are the ways that we can really do that and at the end of the day we've, we've, we've been very lucky we've been able to capitalize on a, on a huge amount of enthusiasm and energy for the concept of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and to be able to build communities that are catalyzing and supporting each other and engaging in a very uh, cross-border global uh, fashion to be able to build a next generation of, of, of knowledge networks uh, and I think capacity in terms of their ecosystems to be able to uh, see some uh, sustainable long-term effort at building a global community that helps at the end of the day much faster than in the past produce relevant new products and services and uh, improves the you know the lives of most of our communities that are surrounding us. Uh, when I when I hear what you're talking about with these communities, naturally the the, the Brad Feld uh, startup communities models comes to my head, and uh, and I know that Startup Canada is is quite heavily vested in in de- developing startup communities across the country. But I, when I hear you speak, I I I think of the word culture. I think of the word you know. You talk about collaboration. How do you how do you ultimately bring these communities together so that they are collaborating, or is it just simply enough? You know what? We're entrepreneurs. We're all the same. We ultimately have to make profit, bring value, do branding, all those things. Is there is there a, a, a common thread that's bringing these 170 communities together? You know that's a, that that's a great comment, um, and and um, you know when we when we embarked upon this, we were very cognizant of Brad Felt's notion that if you're going to build a startup community, you have to be in it for the long term. It's going to take a long time, yeah. um, right. and we we set about with the things that we thought we knew, which was obviously that um, uh, borders um, you know are porous to innovation. What we didn't really quite appreciate was that they're also porous to startup culture, um, yeah. and. It, it's very, you know, kind of you to say that we had something to do with it. I mean, I'd like to see, think that we, you know, we had a, we, we've been some fuel on the fire, like things like start, sure. Startup Weekend and things. But the point is, is that uh, we actually discovered that that was just there. I mean, there, there, there seemed to be right. a common culture. And to answer your question as to why, what that is, I think it's because there was, um, shall I say, you know, what you talked about, the pre-internet era entrepreneur. Yes. In a way, we didn't even call them entrepreneurs, did we? We called them business no. people. Like, what does your yeah, dad right. do? My dad. <laughs> That's in business. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and so the, the reason that it's different there is that one of them is a creative 
thing and the other's not. So what happened was when you actually, the reason that culture came there is that once you actually opened this concept of quote business up and converted it to entrepreneurship, what you were really doing is saying, it's not just about the kind of, um, you know, men and women that would go to a business school. It's about people on your campus, university campus that Mm -hmm. might come from any discipline. They could come from sport, you know, they could be a sports person. They could be, you know, liberal arts. They could be from any, any kind of background, music, um, science, obviously. But, but once you opened it up and made it so much more diverse, then it actually became a lot more of an exciting culture. It wasn't just about making money and profit. Mm -hmm. It was around how do I, uh, how do I actually figure out a better way of doing things, something or, or, or come up with something, which is, which is a creative experience. And then I think that was a common culture that you experienced across the world. And, you know, in America's, you know, had a reputation as being pioneering and sort of breaking barriers and trying to sort of figure out new ways of doing things. So I think part of it's one of the few things that actually that people still liked America for, I think, to 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, they were like, you know, we, we like your, your sort of uh, your pioneering spirit. And but that but that, that was also a lesson back to us saying, you know, this startup culture automatically exists. What are we going to do with it? And, you know, so then we embarked upon the idea of this is a responsibility now. Yeah, well, and by the way, when people say people do like American people, by the way, <laughs> it's, 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 there's these other little optics that get in the way of the amazing people that are in your great country. So, oh, yeah, well, you're very, I, 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 you're, you're very kind. I say exactly the same thing when people say to me, now, why are you helping the Russians? And I go, well, I like the Russian people. Yeah, they're nice people. Yeah, they're very nice people. But I, I like all yeah. peoples of the world, you know. Um, um, now, put me, put me in governments and I might uh, have to be uh, silent. But, you know, generally speaking, the people are good. It's, it's the government yeah. that is into trouble. So. Yeah, ain't that true. Um Talking about government, that was my next question. But, uh, you know, one thing I love about uh, the Bradfeld model, and uh, I'm very intimate with that within my own province and building startup communities here, but is the whole aspect of that government has to be the enabler. It doesn't need to be the the leader. So in your your experiences with with this global network, what what are one or two of the best practices that you've recognized that government has done that has really helped to... I'll say accelerate the progress of the, of the communities that are part of your network. Well, you know, first of all, I should say huge kudos to uh, Startup Canada, particularly to Victoria, um, yes. because, um, you know, we we recognize this right at the outset. I mean, I think uh, President Obama, uh, you know, made the first step for us, which was, and, right. and this is possibly the most important thing, that as a result of what we call Startup Nation, so all the kind of startup national efforts, uh, have done, which is which is to draw a distinction between new firm formation um, and um, small business. And by that, I mean to understand that the data pretty much points in every economy in the world now to the fact that if not all the majority of the net new jobs, which is often a measurement of performance of a politician, come from firms less than five years old. So in that, yeah. in that, de- in that, that profile, regardless of the sort of relative level of impact, that is, we had all we have organized all of our governments around big and small, you know, the small business administration and the you know the the industry. I mean, certainly in the United States is still organized like that. But what um, what, what 
what President Obama did, it was followed by Canada, followed by the United Kingdom, and now, you know, 60 or 70 countries, that the smartest thing government's done is actually just at least stand behind the podium and acknowledge that actually yes. we need a different toolbox if we're going to help um, people start in, in, in the EU now. They call it stand, start, scale, exit. It's their stand, start, scale, exit, different, which okay. is, you know, and they'll turn around and say it's an entirely different set of policies that we have to be deploying uh, to the ones that we did before. So the first thing is that, you know, acknowledgement and recognition. Um, I'm a little less keen on some of the things that governments have had to do in terms of or have attempted to do in terms of replicating private sector initiatives around trying to build accelerators or create public funds or these kinds of things. I think that the, the bigger role that government uh, needs to play, and I a thousand percent agree with Brad that, you know, to me, it's just a big round table and they're one voice at the table and they're part of the enabling environment. Um, and uh, but I think the biggest role they have to play is in tackling uh, the regulatory issues. Uh, and right. this is now completely come to the forefront and something that we're working very closely on at Gen in terms of a whole new model of uh, what, you know, of policy hacking, uh, namely that uh, as digital disruption spreads to every type of industry on the planet, especially uh -huh. the ones that are semi-regulated, it's, uh -huh. it's blowing up a whole plethora of shall I say, um, you know, Gordian knots for local, state, and national governments to try to mm -hmm. figure out, oh, no, what do I do? And obviously, the obvious example is an Uber, you know, you know, right. what, what does a city do about an Uber? I got, you right, know, I've had this right. industry for 30 years, and they're upset, and then I got this new piece of technology with all these, you know, baby boomers <laughs> who don't understand how they'll get by without it, so what do I do? And so, you know, I mean, obviously, take, to, if, you, if you explode that up into, you know, transportation and energy and healthcare and across the board. Board, you're you're gonna you know what we're really seeing is um, a, a massive a vital role for government because it's not just a question of playing defense and saying how do I you know how do I tackle these headaches that are coming along that we didn't know about you know because this technology was not clear to us it's actually should be the other way around how do I turn this in a, into an opportunity to accelerate to allow my country to help make this industry scale better so government has yes. actually become so the Australians for example are great at this. This is a relative story for Canada. You know, I mean, you know, we've had a couple of meetings with the ambassador to ministers here in Washington, D.C. They call in all the big shots and we sit around the table and they're saying, hey, look, we got all these problems, but we're trying to turn them into opportunities. And so here's what we're going to do. You know, here's how we're going to deal with data. Here's how we're going to deal with this. Here's how we're going to deal with that. What do you think? You know, they're constantly, uh, you know, brainstorming about it. But they, right. they view every single development in technology as an opportunity to scale their ecosystems rather than as, you know, crisis management would typically right. take over governments and they go, oh, no, what do we do? We've got another Uber in our hands. Um, so yeah. I think that's probably the, 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 the most exciting role is, it, you know, I mean, I've never wanted to go into government, but if, if, I, if I ever did, it would be because you had the chance to actually, you know, use your weight to really, I mean, not help companies by giving them contracts. I mean, that's short term. Mm -hmm. Help companies by actually saying, you know what, we're going to do something for you, which is going to enable your industry to scale faster than it is in Europe. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, you, you know, you, um, you don't live in our in our um, our country, but one of the you talk about regulations, the, the, the regulations are tougher to do business from province to province than they are to do business between countries. It's crazy. Absolutely not to that protectionism that goes on within our own uh, within our own uh, geographic boundaries. So but I'm it, glad that you brought that up. But again, I think you can turn that to your advantage. So in the United States, for example, you know, we hold a conference of 
mayors every year about, you know, yes. high growth entrepreneurship strategy. And it's quite well, it's quite popular because of the fact that every city, and in fact, we put a lot of time into it because we think actually we can get more done at the local level than we can at the national level. We can certainly get it done yeah. faster. Um, but that kind of competition among provinces and among cities that uh, has been mentioned to me in the past in Canada, for example, again, I would turn around and say, how do we play that to our advantage? Let's not think, about, right. oh, why are we competing for this stuff? We should turn around and yeah. say, well, you know what? Why don't you turn into a magnet that makes it even more appealing for people to come to Waterloo rather than Quebec or Vancouver or what have you? But uh, but, I, but I but I think that's happening around the world, you know, and, and I think that's exciting. And I think that we should embrace it because it used to be that we were focused on how do we build walls to keep people out? Mm -hmm. Now we should focus mm -hmm. on how do we make magnets to attract them in? And by the way, I just want to say one other thing about Canada. I know this is a global show, but, you know, we actually talk about Canada on the global stage as being the best role model. And I know you guys who are having trouble with it will probably say, what? Um, <laughs> but uh, the best role model for how you build a high-skilled immigration strategy. You guys have really, um, you know, you, you've had several versions of your startup visa. You know, the first one, no one used yep. it, as I understand it. But then you've tried mm -hmm. to sit down, talk, and improve it. Um, and uh, certainly, you know, especially here in the United States where we can't even get, you know, to, to first base. Um, right. You know, we're, we're, with, with, a, with a startup visa, um, we, we think uh, our hats off to Canada for being bold about that and for doing a great job. And I think there are other countries that have been, uh, you know, following the, you know, healthy dialogue between government and entrepreneurs there about how do we actually work together to make it easier right. for you to get the people you need. Yeah, well, that's a whole collaboration model that uh, that ultimately comes from the startup community model. And I know we're talking on a global level here, but that's exactly what it is. Take those best practices, identify them, and run with them where they might uh, bring benefit to your own backyard. Love it, love it. I got to ask you this question. Um, besides the obvious ones, and I actually was at the uh, the Global Entrepreneurship uh, Week event in, I think it was in Newcastle in the UK when Richard Branson spoke. Um, but uh, And so you're exposed to a lot lot of different entrepreneurs. So besides the A-list ones, talk about an entrepreneur that really freaking impresses you. Well, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of entrepreneurs I'm impressed with are the, uh, you know, are, are the ones that, um, ultimately, uh, are doing the hard grind to get where they want to go. So we get mm. exposed to a lot of entrepreneurs through, you know, a global startup competitions uh, and get exposed to a lot of them that, um, you know, that, that, I think have done a lot of PR, you know, so to speak, about what they're doing. Um, but uh, I, I think the 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 kind of attributes that we're really looking for is people that manage to do it uh, without necessarily giving up equity, uh, have managed to right. do it um, by, uh, you know, obviously uh, in, in a very uh, collaborative way, yet not giving away their secret sauce, um, and have done it uh, in a in a way that um, uh, you know has really uh, you know, made it made it made it possible for others in the industry to be able to uh, sort of crowdsource the development of of, of, the, mm. of those particular role models. Um, and I have to say, um, you know, I'm 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 going to do what you asked me not to do, and I have to 
turn around and tell you. My favorite entrepreneur, uh, you know, I've actually been around the circle on this one, but my favorite entrepreneur, just because I've just spent some time opening our first startup campus in uh, Johannesburg, which we're super excited about. And I, you know, my favorite entrepreneur is actually Richard Branson because, nice, um, nice. you know, and I know he's become a little bit of uh, yesterday's story in the sense of, you know, he's, he's the iconic brand. But I'll tell you why, why I think he's, it's the fact that he does really believe in that hard grind, but he does something right. else too. He's always he's always pumping up the people around him he knows when to get out the way and when to engage uh-huh. um and um he's just so on uh shall i say uh, i mean he's just so modest um and and i think those attributes uh you know make him sound if I, if anybody on the show wanted to go study someone i would say go re-study him because there's uh-huh. very very interesting dimensions he made some mistakes he even got to trouble got put in jail for a year when he was first he did too, yeah, you know i mean um yeah. and uh you know and he's he's tried to get, I, so i would turn around and say i still turn around and say you know of all my sort of entrepreneur books he's now got what four or five now uh, I tell yes. you I say I think Richard's got the best stuff going because it's really it, it's not self-promotion even though he's got, had the ulti- he's been the ultimate brand builder uh, <laughs> yes, you know, yes. but he's done it without pr- being being sort of in your face and promoting himself so uh, I, I have to say uh, uh, I would definitely uh, push back on uh, uh, turn back to Richard. And that's fair enough to uh, to go back with. And, and, and your entrepreneurial thinking, of course, you're going to do what you want to do and what you think is right. So I'm glad you brought it back with. I actually, in my office, I've got a huge poster of Richard Branson. When the Olympics were on in the UK and they were in this campaign about great and it's entrepreneurs are great. And uh, he he indeed embodies a, a ton, a ton of that stuff. So I'm, I'm thank you very much for uh, for bringing that back. I got two, two questions related to your role as the leader of of, uh, of the GEW, what's the most challenging um, uh, activity that you face on a regular basis? And what's the most fun thing that you and get to embrace as part of your role as the, the founder and the president and CEO? Well, that's just, that's just great. Well, I, I have to say the, the biggest challenge uh, is uh, uh, without doubt the uh, competition that exists uh, among all of the actors in the ecosystems around the world. Um, yes. uh, I'd say that's probably the biggest challenge. I know, I know, you know, Brad used to talk about that, about Boulder saying, you know, I have people come up to me and say, what do I do, Brad? There's two other events happening in the same week as mine and he'd be like great yeah. you know <laughs> um yeah, yeah. so trying to convince people to not make this personal trying to convince people to see the bigger picture to uh sort of work very much in you know politics of inclusion uh which is very much part of our requirements when we you know both hire people and engage partnerships and um so forth but i'd say that's probably my biggest headache is the uh is 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 indeed um the the sort of natural squabble that can go on as people are, you know, trying to find their place. And then I think it's it's normal. It's it's understood. There's always going to be a bit of competition. Uh, I'd say the biggest challenge is when it starts to get personal. I will make fun of the Irish because I told them, you know what, you guys, <laughs> you guys, I mean, I think in Canada, they understand this expression. I, I, I grew up in England, so I have some strange expressions. But one of them was, um, don't, don't wash your dirty laundry in public. Uh, yes. And um, <laughs> of course, in an age of sort of transparent internet, I guess that's natural that that's going to happen. But, you know, I told the Irish, if you continue to wash your dirty laundry in public, I'm going to tell this story. But, you know, when I called up one of them, I said, look, this is crazy. How can I help? He said, the only way you can help is you can hire a hitman that will shoot the other guy. 
And then, I, I, you know, so eventually, and even on this day, it's like I got them together on St. Patrick's Day. I put, you know, one group, set of groups on one side, one set of groups on the other side. I made them all wear green hats. I bought them all beers. And, and I said, we're going to take a picture. It's St. Patrick's Day. We're all Irish today, you know. And you know what they said? They came back and said, I got to tell you, Jonathan, they said, I will never talk to you again if you post that picture on Twitter. I never, I don't want any public record that I was standing next to that guy. So, you know, and I'm like, you know, so I'd say that's probably my, big, I mean, I should, actually, I should probably say that's the most fun because it's kind of, anyway. but well, no, I'd say professionally, that's one of the biggest challenges. Well, I, I love the, and I know you're going to get into the fun piece in it, but I, it, one one thing you said from the beginning, and I loved it, the actors, you referenced them as actors. Oh, that's that's they, pretty cool, man. They are yeah. actors. They are actors. Yeah. Um, no, the fun bit is, is of course, always um, the enthusiasm of the entrepreneurs, and I would tag mm. onto that the uh, sheer uh, loyalty, commitment, talent, mm-hmm. and passion of our uh, of our Gen Global team. Um, and I'm not just saying that because everyone's supposed to compliment their own right. team. I'm saying really, it's just been great. I mean, we've had you know uh, the majority of the certainly the leadership senior leadership team has been on this exercise since we began it ten years ago. Um, it's right. really exciting to work with them, but for all of us, it's it's the the biggest thing is whether at the GW level, the Global Entrepreneurship Week, where we're we're trying to sort of light the candles in more minds about the possibility mm. of human endeavor, um, and you just see the wide eyes and the excitement. This is cool. Great. This is a lot more interesting work than I thought work would be, and uh, yes. or whether or not it's it's watching. You know, I mean, if, you know, one of the people I've I've sort of been with. It was great to watch him. You know, ultimately stand and give his wife a big kiss uh, on the New York Stock Exchange when he was at opening bell, you know, going public for the company. So, I mean, obviously those moments where you get to see the the sort of excitement of people that work their way through the process. I mean, I think, um, you know, that's definitely the funnest part of this because let's face it, if we we don't, as Brad always says, the entrepreneurs are the leaders, the rest of us are feeders. And if they're not what's giving you motivation to get up every day and do something, then there's probably something wrong with with, with how you're approaching your job. But we definitely feel Mm -hmm. that, I mean, we have our own community of entrepreneurs in fact for that very reason selfishly to keep us to keep it real for us uh, it's called gen nice. the gen starters club and if any okay. entrepreneurs are interested in being part of it we have a club and basically we we try to help them in every which way we can and the gen starters club is something where quite frankly we listen to them we tell them you know are we on track or are we getting into our own speak or uh you know is there something that we're off base on here and uh so i certainly think we try to work around the entrepreneurs and they're the ones that really make it worth our while Brilliant. Um, we're heading to the, the final stretch of this conversation, and I'm so lucky to have you here today. And as I told you before, we could we could go for much longer, um, but there's lots of places people can go to to find about the Global Entrepreneurship uh, Network, Global Entrepreneurship Week, et cetera, et cetera, uh, Global Entrepreneurship Congress. Um, but uh, you're a great, you really are a great friend of, of Startup Canada and, and our great country, and we are very proud to uh, be from here. And we continue to thank you for your continued contribution there. And so, uh, and and it is a global audience, but ultimately it's also Startup Canada podcast. And uh, in, 19, in 2010, uh, and this is where I want you to kind of help us to kind of raise the flag like it's the Vancouver Olympics again, uh, we received Country of the Year Award. Um, can you talk to us as to why Canada in 2010 got that award? Well, um, 
Yes. Um, you got that award back in uh, 2010 because you uh, were 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 figuring out how to do a national campaign in a large country. And one of the right. things that we've learned uh, at the global right. level, too, is that brand matters, that you have to, you know, mm. when you're finding that that line between, um, you know, how do I make sure that people feel part of one national community as well as their local community? Um, but uh, it's very important to make sure that you've got some level of sort of top down guidance, uh, support, uh, common identity. Um, but at the end of the day, you've still got to stand out the way and let everybody be local. And it's got to be messy like entrepreneurship is. It's got to be bottom up uh, and it's got to be something. And, and we felt that that Canada had figured that out at that point. Cool. The, the Global Entrepreneurship Week campaign, which is still run by Futurepreneur, um, is yes. is something where in, in partnership with Startup Canada, figured out how to, how to enable local communities to be themselves and local. Yet at the same time, how do you actually do a national brand. And I think Startup Canada has figured that out. And and, and at the time, yeah. we were very proud of that Global Entrepreneurship Week movement in Canada. Cool. Um, but allow me to add, if I could, you know, I mean, I think sure. the, other, the other thing that, again, I want to emphasize that, you know, um, the Startup Canada movement really uh, was, was something that people wanted to copy around the world. Um, and we got it started in the United States. Uh, but it, it, you know, it sunsetted. Um, you know, it, it had a sort of two or three year life after President Obama came on board. And we at the Coffin Foundation were the private sector funder uh -huh. and the government funded the public part. And um, but it's been great that this has been a sustainable effort. Uh, we're, we're always doing these startup initiatives with minimal budgets, which is what we should be doing, because we're trying to uh, right. we're trying to do it on the smell of an oil lag, like we tell our entrepreneurs to do it. Um, but, <laughs> yes. you know, but I think it's certainly, uh, uh, you know, credit to Canada for maintaining that um, national but local balance and uh, yeah. understanding how to do branding. So uh, lo lots of yeah. lots of kudos to, to Canada in that regard. Yeah. And I should mention, by yeah. the way, we are this year uh, heading towards launching Gen in Canada. It'll be called Gen, oh, cool. Gen Canada. We have um, uh, um, uh, an acting managing director, Tanya, who we can uh, put people in touch with if they're interested. But uh, nice. we're, we're in the process of building, putting together the building blocks. We're talking to people. We're, we're obviously going to, you know, working with Startup Canada on that, but we're talking to others like Communitech and I went up to Quebec and we talked to the guys in Vancouver because just as you told me, Rivers, yeah, you know, you, yeah, these guys are all going to fight if we don't go on day one. Right and, um, on, dude. So, uh, so part of it will be making sure that Canada is able to capitalize on the global community that we try to convene and to, you know, both in terms of, uh, you know, networks as well in terms of knowledge and in terms of markets. So, um, you wow. know, we'll, we'll uh, more news on that and maybe in a year's time we'll mm. we'll do this podcast again and we'll have more details on that you what do you mean maybe you're coming back oh, okay <laughs> but, but we're, well, we're gonna book it now we're gonna book it now for sure jonathan ortman said uh, thank you so much again for your time um you know mike mike drop conversation Keep on happening. Oh, one more thing before you go. I did make a reference to it because I want to go back to as we touched on it lately. You said the Endeavor Network. Is that a – you mentioned something about Endeavor? Yeah, there's an organization that's been a partner of ours for about 10 years called Endeavor. It was actually uh, – you know, it started its way in South America, but it's the Endeavor – it's called Endeavor, and it, the, the U.S. operation is called Endeavor Global. Um, I don't think they operate in Canada, but uh, if you just if you just type in Endeavor sure. into Google, yes. you'll get the 
details. It's, it was founded by someone um, uh, called, uh, you know, Linda, who was a friend of mine who uh, really wanted to find ways to help companies that had already hit the sort of, you know, $2 million mark to scale. Um, and they are doing a tremendous job. Basically, they put these entrepreneurs to rigorous panels and their 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 success is, is evaluated based upon how, you know, how many of these companies that they put through their panels actually end up scaling at a much faster rate. So it's a really great, you know, uh, practical program that we uh, strongly support. Um, so I do hope people will look at Endeavor. And, and also, if you're interested in touching base, I'll just, you know, end by saying in any of these uh, areas, um, I mean, obviously, we have a website, genglobal.org, but I'll also give a shameless plug for the Global Entrepreneurship Congress. It's held every cool. every April. Um, it's about 8,000 people come to it. It is made up of the leaders of the entrepreneurial ecosystems that we operate in. Um, and it, the next one's actually going to be in Istanbul. Mm-hmm. Um, Your 10th anniversary, right? Yep, 10th anniversary. And it's very cool because uh, we, we actually now, on, as, a, as a birthday present to us for our 10th anniversary, uh, we've, uh, we've, we've contracted with the same team that has put together the World Economic Forum in Davos for the last 25 years. So wow. it's really going to be first class. So uh, And it's basically free. <laughs> so anybody's yes. and, and Turkey's a pretty inexpensive place to fly to right now. Lots of direct flights. So I strongly and, and the hotel is a five star hotel for less than 100 bucks. So I would turn around and say wow. any of your entrepreneurs are thinking about getting your no, global community building done. Uh, this is a one stop shop for a week. It'll be uh, first class and a lot of fun. And uh, certainly everybody's welcome. In April. In April. April, the week of April 16th. But uh, you can just type in again, Global Entrepreneurship Congress, or or look at our genglobal.org site. Keep on happening, my friend. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, as much work as you do, uh, of course, if you continue, which you will, we uh, reach out. And if you need anything from us within the organization, me personally, uh, I'm here to help you continue on your great work. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you. Thank you, Rivers, for, ha- for having me. And thanks to everyone, uh, particularly those in the local communities for Startup Canada and whatever you do, don't don't, don't stop doing what you're doing because uh, we're, we're watching around the world. So great job. Thank you very much. And thanks for including me. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to resources and support to grow your business? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. 